Hello and welcome to another episode of Nerds Amalgamated. I'm the Professor and my co-hosts are DJ and the Devi Boy. Oh, thank you. You got it right. <laughs> oh, hello, fellas. Hey, I almost started on that. <laughs> it's all good. Too, too alliterative. Devi Boy. There's too much Devi in it. That was terrible. I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't know what I'm going. Anyways, hello. If you're not left already, hello there. <laughs> Man, um, what a crazy week it has been. Really, DJ, what's been crazy about it for you? Uh, the um, snowstorm happening in Texas. Yeah, places that um, places are seeing more snow than they've seen in a decade, and places where it hasn't snowed in 50 years are getting snow. And it turns out that when it snows really badly like that, because Texas doesn't normally get snow, nothing is prepared, so now all the power's gone off and everyone is going to die. And they blame it on your solar powers and wind farms. Yeah, I hope they get that sorted out soon because that's tragic. We've lost power. So it's not the fact that we're completely cut off from the grid. It's the solar power and wind farms that are the problem. Even knowing those, those wind farms are designed to work in Antarctic environments. It's like... Oof. Yeah, the uh, big issue seems to be that uh, the Texas power companies didn't bother to weatherproof anything. Yep. So the solar panels are getting covered in snow, which isn't being cleaned off. Mm-hmm. The wind turbines are freezing up because they don't have a de-icing circuit. They seriously don't. I thought they did. That's why I said that before. Like <laughs> yeah, most... so it's an option. But well, they seriously um, the, include it. Because most, yeah, solar, wind, most wind farms usually do in general, especially ones in Europe, of course, because like... You know, but no, yeah, fair enough. I think because it doesn't normally happen, they didn't bother installing the de-icing circuit, which I'm assuming is uh, much like an aeroplane de-icer, and it'll be a heating element running through the blade. Yeah, it makes sense. And the natural gas lines are freezing up because natural gas naturally contains a small amount of water vapor. Oh, no. Ooh. Yeah, so now nobody's getting any electricity or heat. Fun time, say. I like that the government came out basically like, Yo, it's not our it's not our job as the government supply you of support. You just gotta live by yourself, man. It's yeah. Like, <laughs> Which, um when the major issues happened in other states, the Texas government said, No, we're not sending aid. And now they're like, Aid, please. Gotta love politicians and, and, and their ways of shooting themselves in the foot. Yeah. Politicians are great at that. Uh-huh. So I hope that all gets sorted out soon or that some solution is found because if it isn't, it's going to be an absolute disaster. And, you know, 25 people dying is still not great, but the um, it could get so much worse. So I really hope they get sorted. Although some people have been posting videos of their fun times in um, the win- in the winter wonderland. I, I recently saw an Angry Joe video about it. Yeah, a lot of people who have never seen snow before are now getting to play in the snow. <laughs> Uh, I've only we had snow in our end of town. Yeah, I've only seen it a couple of times when I've gone up to the mountains. But um, What's when snow? I was in, is snow a thing? What is this icy substance? <laughs> it comes out of the sky and makes everything all wet. What? Is <laughs> oh. it, you mean it's rain? No, it's, it's hard rain, <laughs> like hail. <laughs> Not quite hail. That's just rain, it's really though. slippery. If you step on it, you fall over. So rain. <laughs> <laughs> At this point, I think Debbie Boy is trolling you, Professor. Yes, it is. I can confirm um, on my trip to Norway, a bunch of Aussies seeing snow for the first time. Like, a bunch of young adults freaking out over snow is bloody adorable. Well, what was their first question when they said when they saw the snow for the first time? They must have went like, "Oh my god." 
god how is this happening uh no idea <laughs> well I, it took you that that long to figure yeah, out i don't remember what the um first reaction of most of the people was <laughs> but moving on first up tonight we have the new microsoft ai and gaming summit by the time this episode comes out on uh Tuesday the 23rd, it will be starting. So I'm hoping they're going to upload it online. So all um, all of the talks are being done in uh, UTC minus eight time, which is really inconvenient for Aussies. But so I'm hoping they'll upload it later on. I've registered because they said they'll send out articles and white papers. I want to bet this will be one of the shortest summits they ever did. No, it's actually... Uh, okay, yes, it is only a two-day summit. <laughs> but that's as long as the symposiums that um, break the holds in, in Brisbane. Yeah, but it's an AI summit. How is AI going to communicate with other AI? 0001 that talks to 0001 and all that stuff? What I'd do is have an AI develop an AI language so that the AIs can talk to other AIs in the most efficient way. <laughs> So this is a specifically AI and gaming summit with uh, topics about procedural placement, generative design. They have uh, Christoph Salge talking about generating AI settlements, which I'm assuming are the uh, for the villagers. Uh, talk by someone from the Microsoft Flight Simulator team. Uh, musical AI, which is an emerging field. Uh, talk about, I love this title, Clippy has rejected your pull request. Game prototyping in the age of AI. <laughs> That's one heck of a yep. title. And human AI co-creation for games and game creators. Ooh. I mean, that title alone, I mean, isn't that already done, though? In a sense? I mean, we had that with um, game creation. Um, wasn't, there a, wasn't there a program where again, an AI could develop a game within a, within a few days or something like that? I don't know what you're talking about, but um, the... As far as I know, there is no game that's been entirely generated by AI. But the subject of this talk, I'm assuming based on the title, is going to be about working with the AI. So how the human can nudge the AI to create what the human wants with a massively reduced output of human labor. Because that's one of the difficult parts about making an open world game. You want to put something there. And your choices are do only a few key buildings, like in early GTA games, um, do every building using procedural generation, but then 99% of buildings are going to be empty and worthless, and who's going to bother going in there? And also, you run the risk of the AI not creating your vision. Oh, by the way, Professor, uh, that AI game I was talking about it was uh, AI oh, Dungeon. That's, uh, something almost completely different. It's not an AI making a game. That's really just a, a chatbot, really. It's a heavily modified chatbot uh, as it's... Like, I don't know about the actual core of the software, but in interaction, it's just a heavily modified chatbot. Like talking to Cleverbot, except Cleverbot's a dungeon master. It is absolutely incredible, though. Hmm. Um, there's a section, Responsible Gaming, about building social bonds in online gaming communities and building social capital through gaming with co-workers. And then there's a, a section about how your players interact with the AI, including one that looks really interesting to me, machine learning for optimal matchmaking. I think the interesting part of that topic will be finding out if there's any anything an AI algorithm can take advantage of to give you a better uh, a better opponent, someone who's more tuned mm -hmm. to your skill level. 
or your ability. <laughs> There's already a game for that. It's called Dark Souls. This is for playing against a human because oh, yeah. matchmaking yeah, is hard. There's algorithms for mm-hmm. it. Elo uh, is probably one of the most popular. But the big issue with the algorithm is that it only takes into account whatever um, data points you give it. So I think the advantage of an AI there would be that the AI could generate a more comprehensive study of your gaming style and then select an opponent who is better matched to that level rather than just matching you based on your score or your um, ranking, any of the functional but flawed methods that are used today. So it is only a two-day summit, but I'm really hoping it all gets uploaded. Will there be any special guests um, arriving on that summit or is it just... Uh, Well, there's guests from all around the world. So they have... uh, Anastasia Opara from Embark Studios in Stockholm. They have Christoph Sauge from the University of Hertfordshire, which I think is a town in England. Someone from a uni in London, uh, people from the US, Canada, and people from a a couple of different companies. Who's this? um, I know this is going to affect game development and and, um, and mostly um, other facets of uh, technology. Who do you think is going to be the biggest benefit? The game devs will benefit from being able to create a better experience using AI. So whether Mm -hmm. that's populating an interesting world, generating better missions, you know, Skyrim has the infinite mission system. Okay, full disclosure, I have not played Skyrim. Which one? Uh, 76 probably has it as well. But it's the kind of quest you get. You know, there's a settlement that needs your help meme. Uh, In Fallout 4, you get endless quests from Preston Garvey who always introduces them with some (laughs) variation of a settlement needs your help and the reason is that instead of just cutting you off completely from that quest line you just get thrown procedural quests where it generates a quest picks a location dumps a couple of enemies there and tells you go and defend this city so that's known for being ultimately boring because you only really get a few variations on the topic and that's it for how many hours. So technically, the number of quests in Skyrim is unlimited. Practically, you're not going to want to play them anyway. Yeah, it's the grind that gets a lot of people well, off anyway. not even the grind. Just how many times can you do, go here, fight this enemy before you get bored? There's no story to it. There's no real reward. You're not getting any special gear. So I think AI in this scenario would be able to generate more interesting plots uh, I'm thinking an AI that could generate a character who gives you a quest and that character has their own backstory that's been generated, which is something more along the lines of what's in Fortress, where everything is simulated. But um, bringing that into AAA game dev is really hard because it's not a, it's not like it's a, um, it's not an easy thing to do. No, it's never and easy. And making sure it all fits consistently, I mean, it, that's the b- big hurdle with procedural generation. But yeah. I think that'll be a really interesting area to apply it to. I'm interested also to see how um, how that then applies to the play experience. Are we going to see it transition into actually being used in in the game, or is it just going to be something to fill out the area in the dev cycle? So you say you have a city, you want every building to have something in it, you just generate every building. Mm. What do you think, Devi? What do you think? Sorry, I've been messing around. I've phobics about the start, so I am going crazy with... Uh... 
Because I had three dollar ones. Anyways, <laughs> yes. What do I think? Uh, overall, I think it, it's going to be okay. Like, give me a little background again. This is the AI summit. Oh, yeah, that one, yeah. Like, I'm very mixed in AI, to be honest, because, like, yeah, one, one half, you've got to worry about it being dangerous, but the other half, like, I don't know. I really don't know what to make of yeah. it. Because in some ways, I think we're going too far. Other ways, I think we're just Well, specifically, fine. this is AI in gaming, but you do raise an interesting point there. Could an AI create a game world? that the player would never want to leave. And that's something. Like, you've got the new Unreal Unreal Human thing that has get brought out, which isn't, isn't, well, most of it's AI, where you can make your own digital humans from scratch. Um, so it's like the technology is getting there where you pro- an AI probably could. Is it ethical to create an, uh, a, a game, well, an AI-created game that is so tailored to a particular person, it becomes incredibly addictive and they stop being able to that's, live? It's not ethical, but do you think companies will care? <laughs> <laughs> yep. By the way, Debbie boy, uh, when you were saying um, meta, the MetaHumans program um, for, with AI, I was thinking, imagine if if Kojima takes that and uses it to make himself. It's like I, I'm too stuffed to uh, to go to a press conferences. I'll just make a bit virtual AI and just put it as a template. Oh my god! Possibly, <laughs> possibly happen. You never know. That sounds like it would just be the plot of a Kojima game. <laughs> <laughs> but in terms of AI, I mean, it's it's a stepping stone when it comes to creation and stuff. I mean, like, is it consequent? Is it going to be consequentially good or consequentially bad when it comes to game development? That's going to be the big question, wouldn't it? I think we're at the crossroads now where you'll see games using it to pad themselves out, like like the Fallout and Skyrim examples. And we're not quite at the point where we will start seeing it use the to create content indistinguishable from that created by a human, which would probably put a lot of game devs out of jobs now that I think about it. Oh, nuts. Yeah, so not great there, <laughs> but to be honest, the computers are coming for all of our jobs. It's just a matter of when. But um, the... So I think first we'll see more games creating a system like uh, the Skyrim procedural quest, and it'll just be sort of tacked on there. Some games will use uh, procedural generation to a greater depth. Watch Dogs Legion has a really interesting concept. I haven't played it yet, but from what I've heard, it actually feels a bit shallow. But maybe in another dev cycle or two, maybe even if they merge that with something like the Nemesis system from Shadow of Mordor, then that would give it the depth and character to really carry it. So I think we're a bit off seeing that for now, but I'm excited for the day that we do. The other thing we also have to wonder is, in terms of uh, AI with um, the ranking system and whatnot, okay, is this new ranking system going to be very accurate or is it going to be very, very, um, like, flimsy? Well, they'd want it to be more accurate than the current ranking system. And the current ranking system is, in my experience, functional. There's no bells or whistles. It will most of the time give you a reasonable matchup. What it won't do is pick you an opponent tailored to your play style so that you, you get to experience different uh, different challenges. Can, can you imagine this type of uh, AI on onto big games like Fortnite and e- other esports games? Imagine like all the competitors going like, oh, this AI is so horrible. Man, this thing's this thing's rigged, rigged as hell. People complain about matchmaking as it is, so I don't think it's something you can make worse, and unless you fail really badly, you'd have to create something worse than Elo and the modified systems that some games use. 
I don't think that's going to be too uh, easy to do. Presumably, if that happens, you'd then decide, no, we're not going to release that. But we do already have terms in gaming like ELO Hell for when you get stuck in playing against people who are either massively outside your skill base or that you get matched with people who just aren't into the game and grow the match. Oh, yeah, uh, the feeders, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they are annoying. I mean, uh, I don't know about you guys, but I, I, it's a wait-and-see approach for me. Like, maybe there might be some cool announcements, hopefully. I don't think maybe there'll be announcements this at might- this summit. This is more about sharing what they've been working on. Mm. I think we'll probably see the interesting things coming out of this in another uh, three years once the game devs have time to implement it. Yeah. I'd be really interested to see the next Fallout have a procedural uh, NPC generator on the level of something like uh, Dwarf Fortress. I know that's unlikely. I know not many people are actually going to care, but that would be this really nice feature to have. I mean, I would like to see more um, better, better AI in um, in games in terms of like uh, Wolf, like Wolfenstein, for example, and how, how the AI was dog shit. I think you've completely missed the point. That's not the kind of AI yep, we're talking about specifically. Most of the talks here seem to be about AI that helps generate the game for you. There is a little bit there, a few talks about other types of AI, but I think you've missed the point. Fair enough. One thing actually that I'm excited to see from AI is increased play testing. You don't need a human to act like a human if you have a robot that will act like a human for you. And most games get more play testing in the first 24 hours after release well, most AAA games, than they got through the entire dev cycle. That's why the first but week the, the game's out, there are so many bugs discovered. But isn't that the beta, isn't that the, um, beta testing, though, in the, f- the first 24 no. hours? Beta testing happens before that. What? But the problem is you cannot okay. have enough people testing for you to come even close to what your first day sales will get you. So, yeah, if you had a human that would fill out the, well, a robot that would fill out the um, testing ranks for you. That would be incredible. If you had AI that would fill out the multiplayer uh, lobbies, letting you play against a bigger selection of play types, that would also be great. Particularly, I think, for a very social MMO game like, well, not really an MMO, but I'm thinking DayZ, something that would be better at emulating a human player, and which is unlikely to actually exist anytime soon, but it would give you the ability to see how people are going to respond to a particular change, since DayZ is basically entirely driven on player interactions. So, moving on, when was the last time you heard of anything good below the anti- Uh, nothing. Yeah, no, I've nothing. seen it Oh, actually, uh, actually, actually, um, I do remember there was a story about how they discovered a, fro- a, a frozen mammoth trapped in ice. Wrong continent, but okay. So you wouldn't think anything would be able to survive under the ice shelf in Antarctica because it's deep, it's dark, it's cold. There's no nothing coming in or out. Really. But the future, some scientists drilling through the future on ice shelf to collect a uh, sediment sample happened to pick the one spot that had a rock underneath it. So they collect, kept coming back empty. Because the it would bounce off the rock and not collect the um, collect the sediment they were after. But what they did find when they lowered a camera down was some sort of life clinging to the boulder. Oh crap! Yeah. I've seen enough horror movies to know where this is going. Now all we need to do is have to have the have, have this when a research team goes to the Antarctic and discovers something crazily new. 
things go wrong. Introducing the thing. Yeah, we know how that movie goes. <laughs> the interesting problem here is where is it getting its energy source? There's no um, no solar energy coming in. Most life forms that live in the deep ocean survive based on material falling from above. So something's bringing them food. I mean, there are there are cells and microbes that that are designed to survive in the cold, though. I mean, yes, that's on a microbial scale, though. These are quite large creatures, including well, some have been identified as sponges, and some are some sort of stalked creature. Now, technically, they are animals, even though they're remote. So the issue is, though, this rock is hundreds of kilometers from the edge of the ice sheet. So possibly there's a current carrying food into them. And because this is only early days, in the middle of nowhere, they traveled out there specifically to drill this hole to do this study. And it's really hard to drill a hole through so much ice. Nobody knows how many other rocks that could be out there with this sort of, um, any sort of life on it. Or if there's even fish or crustaceans or something more deadly. Imagine introducing the imagine uh, those, those creatures mutating because of COVID. They're unlikely to get COVID because COVID affects the respiratory respiratory system of mammals. Oh, yeah, yeah, true, true, but mutations. That's not how viral mutations work. I admire your aspirations to write a good science plot. That's not how it works. (laughs) Dang it. I can't imagine how much fuel it must have taken to drill this hole either, because they drilled it using hot water. (laughs) That is a lot of... That's a lot of kettles. Yeah. (laughs) So what else is in there? You got any theories, DJ? Uh... I could say it could be uh, the, the land of the lost world, but... That would be pretty cool, I, finding I, some I, sort of dinosaur biodome, <laughs> where you find out that dinosaurs are actually advanced creatures with a science program. And the and the penguins were controlling the dinosaurs from the beginning, and we didn't even realize it. <laughs> that, that would be some journey to the center of the, center of the Earth level uh, craziness right what? there. I don't know. I mean, it's... It, It'd be interesting to, uh, to see what, what, what creatures that would be unfolded. What's going to be even more interesting is where do they fit into the evolutionary ladder? My theory would be that the creatures come from probably not too far back. I think they're likely either related to the sort of uh, bacteria that live on and creatures that live on hydrothermal vents and are surviving off either heat energy from the event that the scientists haven't noticed or some sort of chemical extraction from the rock maybe i think that's the uh, one likely option the other is that the creatures are closely related to existing sea sponges hmm. i don't think they would have split off too far back though that's entirely my layman's hypothesis now the important question is though do they taste good fried <laughs> hey, we're gonna fry everything else that comes out of the earth. <laughs> Come on, we're not as crazy as the Texans, okay? <laughs> yes, Texas, the one place I've ever been that I've seen deep fried butter. <laughs> oh, oi, I, I thought they, I, I thought they, um, it, 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 it's now deep fried ice cream. Deep fried ice cream is fine, delicious. Deep fried <laughs> butter is weird, but it's a thing you can buy in Texas. Uh, the, the other, I saw a video where someone actually deep fried water. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> I was like, how is that possible? There, it, there's no such a way that it'd be possible. Clearly they figured something out. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember exactly how they did that. 
coated with water and some kind of membrane that protected it. Ah, uh, here, here we go. Here we go. You know, it's basically you know those membrane waters that there were there was a big hype oh, yeah. about. So yeah, they just basically put that in the deep fryer and just fried Fair it. Fair enough. <laughs> so weird. But uh, yeah, with these ones, what's going to be interesting is like we talked about the evolution and how, how where, where would they fit in. What's going to be even more interesting is. The question is: Are we going to see them create new life once they once they're um, exposed to the current atmosphere? Unlikely. They're probably hyper optimized for that particular niche, and if you ever take them out, we'll die horror. Mm. What's also well, the other thing that's interesting is: I wonder how much info has has those microbes have stored in terms of if, if there's any animal DNA in, in, in animal DNA in um, the microbes. Well, they're not microbes, actually. They're actually animals. Ah, yeah. How much DNA have as um, probably about as much as any other sea be, sponge. Yeah, but is this where the aliens left the secret codes? <laughs> if we don't decode their DNA, do we find out how? Is that why the penguins live there to protect the alien technology? <laughs> I think we've made a, I think we've made a story that's worthy of Kojima making a game out of. <laughs> get him on the phone. <laughs> Hopefully, we won't have to go to war with the penguins to get to the data. <laughs> But if this um, if this entire expedition goes missing or dies horribly, you know who to blame. <laughs> One could say this thing will be very viral. Take a good night. <laughs> Why do I even podcast with you? <laughs> So because uh, I'm the funny next one. Next up, we have Facebook versus Australia. Ding, ding, that was century. Yeah, well, I would have thought that would be Facebook, Google versus Australia. So now, Facebook wants to be Facebook or get everyone's faces. Uh, Facebook have decided they can't to sit back and watch. They they need to be there too. They're like, hey guys, yeah, hey, hey, can I join in? <laughs> can I join in, guys? I, this can't go terribly wrong. Oh no, it's basically it's Australia. Yeah. Facebook, everyone woke up this morning on the 18th of the 2nd, 2021, and discovered, oh no, you cannot share news or any articles on Facebook anymore. And this includes any any news agency's actual Facebook pages were compromised. So people, the actual journalists and companies could not access them anymore for at least a short amount of time. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> this is, this happens. What do you guys think about it? Man, when I heard about that news, so many people were salty about this on Twitter. <laughs> Honestly, I don't think this is the worst thing to ever happen on Facebook. How much nicer could it be if people uh, aren't sharing um, whatever news source floats their boat and causing arguments about politics? Well, <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. At the same time, also, independent news got absolutely stuffed. Yeah, that is a side effect. Yeah. Well, there's always casualties. Indeed. Uh, but, man, is it a... Uh... Yeah, so, like, I don't know what to really feel about this, honestly. Like, yeah, I'm happy with all fake news. At the same time, yeah, journalists and stuff got really spun over in their grave, which is sort of the point of what they're trying to pull. But at the same time, it's annoying. You can't share anything. Yeah. I mean, the whole debacle is basically either one doesn't want to compromise at all. So it's going nowhere. Yeah. Here's the crazy part about this whole fiasco. It... It sends a warning that big tech controls the news organizations. Wouldn't you agree? It impacts their distribution. I'd say Google is the bigger risk here. If Google decided to stop really? sharing, stop showing news sites on their um, search results, I think that's the bigger risk than not being able to share it on Facebook. Because who actually knows how to type in a URL these days? Kids these days need to get no off one, my lawn. No one's going to search a news company through a URL. Or anything. No, but like, if you want to find out about something, you go to Google and 
search for the topic. Indeed. And that's uh, next COVID outbreak is not going to go very well in that case. Uh, yeah, yeah. I've been hearing of, of a, couple, a couple of uh, indigenous organizations are already uh, affected by this. Well, they've been affected since everyone was affected. They just closed the borders to the indigenous towns to keep the COVID out because it turns out that when you don't have a Western, um, Western European immune system, you get absolutely destroyed by diseases that have developed in the developed world. Um, because the, the trade between Western Europe and Asia means that everyone there has been exposed to most of the same diseases. But there was no trade between, well, minimal trade between either of those places and the native populations of Australia and America. Mm. Yeah, it's not yeah, too good. So is it? a lot of people, indigenous people who get sick, get more sick because they don't have the, um, the historical basis for their immune system. Yes. And, and what's going to be sad about it is that they're trying to, they're, most of them would rely on the internet and internet to get information and stuff and with facebook doing this stunt yeah a lot oh, of people man. get their news off facebook yeah same for google you can either like if i see an article posted on facebook i usually go and google the topic as well so i can find some other sources and because a lot of the time people troll on facebook which is why i think this could actually be a good thing <laughs> can't share troll sites if you can't share sites at all aha fortune fortune <laughs> Does agree with that one. True. <laughs> Fortune fights back. So, we're not technically a news site, are we? Um, no, fortunately. No. We do talk about the news, but uh, uh, I didn't think about that affecting us before. I don't think it will, though, because... Uh, we're, we're not as crazy as CNN or... So, so, literally, they want us to start buying newspapers again. Murdoch would love it if you did that. <laughs> <laughs> like, you want to be Murdoch's best More mate? Money for- Buy a few newspapers. I have newspapers. I'll use them for my ass. That's okay. <laughs> hey, you know the toilet paper's back in the stores now. Ah, oh, damn. No reason anymore, Murdoch. Sorry. You, you know what's going to be funny, though? It's, it's either Murdoch or Packer. <laughs> so it's damned yeah. if you do it. A lot of the news agencies, and by agency, I mean like Fox News, Channel 9, <laughs> Channel 7, they all come under the umbrella of either Packer or Murdoch in Australia. Hmm. So who do you think will ultimately win this battle, uh, Murdoch or Zucker? Well, this is Facebook versus Australia, not, yeah, because the Australian government wants to put in laws based on the lobbying of the news companies to require Google to pay for sharing the news, which I'm not entirely opposed to because Google has been doing a lot of uh, pressuring stuff to, they scrape a lot of sites and then just show the results straight on the homepage of, or on Google, the search page. So you don't need to go to the site. If I Google, uh, if I Google a lot of things, I see the information with the source next to it. And I don't actually need to go to the source, but I still like to go there because I want to read more than shows up in the little blurb. But that's um, yeah. what a lot of them are complaining about because of the um, because it's just so bad for the small sites, they're not getting their ad revenue anymore. So I don't think Google is going to stand down on this. I think the Australian government might no. do it, and then Google will pull out, and the Australian government realizes its mistake and then say sorry. Oh no, what's happened? What's gone wrong? Oh no, what's going yeah. what, what do you guys reckon, though? What, that, what do you guys reckon? Facebook is doing this stunt. Can you imagine other social media sites doing it now? I mean, like Twitter or Reddit or oh, okay, uh, Tumblr. Tumblr doesn't even exist. Um, 
Oh, yeah. It's like barely there. <laughs> but you, but how do you think other social media companies will see this though? Do you reckon this will be? They'll see this as like a hey, if we, if they can do it, we can do it. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if um. So I was just looking into the um Epic Games versus Apple and Google thing again, and found out that Epic Games has formed a a group of um they call it the App Store Fairness Group or something cheesy like that. <laughs> so yeah, wow. I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> to see a few of the um major social media sites forming a sort of a union to combat places that try to do this sort of thing. Yeah. I think that sounds pretty fair what might happen. I wouldn't be surprised at all. But yeah, I mean, look, if, if, if either party not wanting to step down, at least right now, uh, this is going to play it out. But yeah, mm. it's going to be entertaining. <laughs> do, you, do you guys reckon this is this is the style of the death of the free press? No, free press has unfortunately been less of a thing than I'd like it to be for 100 years. All of the, especially with people like Murdoch owning so many outlets, it's hard to find a, a source that isn't answering to someone else. And even then, they've still got to deal with their sponsors and their advertisers. If they start promoting something that the advertiser doesn't like, the advertiser's gone, and then how do you find it? Yeah. Although that being said, uh, the only bright side from this entire saga was I, at least I didn't have to see a lot of pedestrian pedestrian Facebook pages and Mamma Mia and Buzzfeed. <laughs> yeah, that's probably going to be nice. <laughs> if we could go back to when social media was about people and not the advertising, that would be nice. Never going to happen, oh, but... What? <laughs> oh. Debbie Boy's just like... <laughs> I like Debbie Boy's reaction. People? Are you kidding? Oh. People? <laughs> I thought it was just cheap. I can advertise too. Yeah. I'm not going to complain if people start... Um, if companies stop trying to advertise to me every waking moment. Hey, would you like some pants? This is an ad for pants. What really bugs me <laughs> is that the, because there's no link between the advertising profile and actual purchases, I've gone on to particularly a site like Umart, I know really bad for it, and a couple of other computer parts stores I buy from. I'll go on, buy a part, go and pick it up the same day. So I haven't like spent any time thinking about it. I, I just know it's the part that I need. I then get endless advertisements for it for the next week. Because the advertising company doesn't know I have, I already bought it. It's like, oh, you wanted to buy this? Do you still want what? to buy it? Oh. What about now? What about now? <laughs> That's seriously nah. You didn't want this, man. Yeah, unfortunately, there's no easy privacy. But yeah, I guess we will find yeah. out. Hey, so yeah. Yeah, yeah, I would absolutely totally be okay with um, paying a couple of dollars a month to use a social media site. I know most people wouldn't, but... Nah, it's too cheap. Yeah, most people are too cheap for it. I've actually been looking into (laughs) self-hosting things like Mastodon to uh, get out of the um, advertising ecosystem, Ecosystem. yeah. But um, Mm. haven't gotten around to it yet. But if it was easier for me to pay money, I'd probably consider it. Mm. And then I'd actually get to see what I care about. My friends. (laughs) Aww. So, do you guys have anything else to add for this? Um, yeah, pretty good. There was a. I was gonna say that. Uh, ah, yes, fascinating. Uh, there was a trailer that dropped. Yeah, there was. <laughs> there was a. There was a interesting movie stuff that happened. Uh, that happened on during the Valentine's Day weekend. The uh, all new Justice League that came out. DJ, that's not what I was asking oh. you about. I was asking if you had anything else to talk about in the. 
news thing, but fine, go and do my job for me. Oh, sorry. Go and do my, my job bad. for me. Go on, then. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> so what about Justice League? So, Why should I care? Hey, a new trailer for the Snyder Cut came, came out, though, and it's got some new, new improved scenes, like a death of Superman, for example. Um, and it's more, uh, it's more dramatic looking than what we got the last time when it came out. Isn't that what Snyder's but known yeah, the, for? Uh, but- dramatic looking things that don't have a plot to back them up. And, and, and making it look dark and, dark and broody. Very broody. It's like the Lego Batman of, um, of movies. <laughs> Everyone knows that he's like not actually all that dark, but he just, I'm dark. <laughs> Yeah, that's what Ben Affleck is like in that in the in in, in the Batman movies. He was like, "Tell me, do you bleed?" <laughs> oh, but yeah, with the uh, Snyder cut that came out during the uh, Valentine's Day weekend, so we got a couple of additions. So, like uh, Superman dying, for example, uh, Wonder Woman discovering. Uh, so they new don't stuff. show him dying in the original. They don't show him dying in the original in the original. In the Joss Whedon cut, so he just dies off screen. Yeah, uh, in the he dies in the the movie before the Justice League, but they didn't really show like footage of Superman dying in the Justice League's in the okay, Justice so League just movie. Okay, so they're just throwing in the scene from the other movie. Yeah, but more, but it's more dramatic. Looking. <laughs> yes. Ah. Oh. Um, a couple of others. So, as I was saying, Wonder Woman's discovery. Um, there was also the introduction of Darkseid and Apo- and the world of Apocalypse. So, for those curious, Darkseid is the big bad guy, Thanos equivalent uh, in the DC universe. Uh, there is also Steppenwolf, and his character design for this movie looks so much better than the new than the old version. Isn't Steppenwolf a band? Yes, that too. Yes. Uh, so they've in- they've improved this design by making it more spikier and much more improved, like the facial so features and whatnot. Yeah. And that being said, though, he looks more intimidating and a, and a very brutal villain. Okay, but he's an echidna. How can an echidna yeah. be a brutal villain? <laughs> eh, by killing else. It's not. Uh, I think it's more of the actions instead of, instead of the aesthetics. So it's Shadow the Hedgehog. Yep. <laughs> Um, what else has happened? What else was in this movie? A more expanded role for Cyborg. So in the in the uh, Joss Whedon cut of Justice League, they didn't really do much of a role for Cyborg. But in this in the Snyder cut from the trailer that I've seen, it's more expanded, and they've got more shots and more of a backstory. So how much for longer him. is this cut going to be? Four hours That's long. That's a long bloody movie. Intermission. Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> and uh, interestingly, they've said that there's going to be a ten minute intermission for Is this. Is it releasing movie. in cinemas? Uh, unfortunately, no. It's going to be on HBO oh, okay. Max. Because kind of surprised they don't are... split it into two movies. Don't they were... listen to they, HBO they were... like Warner Brothers, whoever. Don't listen to me too closely because I don't want you getting any bad ideas. I'm kind of surprised they haven't <laughs> split it into two movies. Well, they were originally planning it to uh, off, to make it a four four episode mini series, but they decided, you know what, screw this, we're gonna do a, a four long movie. But um, what else was there? There's also the the black suit Superman, so that looks awesome. 
Superman in a comic accurate black suit. What's special about the black suit? Well, in the co- it, it just looks cool aesthetically. That's all. Uh, uh, that's all I would say. But in the in the comic books, the black suit was originally a recovery suit, as they call it. What's he recovering from? Uh, Is that like from his death? To, well, okay. Yeah, yeah. So he's recovering from his death, and yeah. In in the in the comic books, is basically yes, yeah, Superman kills Dark uh, kills um, Doomsday. But then in the but then later on, uh, he's not really dead. He's just in a coma. Shock horror! He didn't actually kill that <laughs> most popular character. Fooled me. <laughs> but uh, the biggest biggest surprise of it all was the introduction of Jared Leto Joker in this movie. And we're done here. <laughs> Cancel it. We don't need this. <laughs> Not a fan of Jared Leto Joker, are you? No, I don't know anyone who is. <laughs> and, and in this trailer, I like how he he makes the line, "We live in a society." Oh. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Why are we doing this? Humanity was a mistake. <laughs> I, I, I gotta admit, though, I mean, th- this version of of. Joker looks really looks really dark as well, though. I mean, how can a member of the insane clown put dark? Well, what was his his entire line was? We live in a society of a society where honor is useless, or something along those lines. Wow, so deep and (laughs) and not to mention, like um, there was there were a couple of pictures that came out before the trailer was dropped, where you see joker wearing like a doctor's outfit all bloodied up and and mean looking i'm just going wow that looks dark i wonder if this is going to be as dark as heath ledger joker yeah then it came out and he was a total joke yeah in in the suicide squad one yeah yeah well that was because of studio interference mostly but okay uh, when are we getting slider cut suicides uh we're getting oh I don't know. I, okay, if we if we're gonna get like a David Ayer's cut of Suicide Squad, let's just wait for another few years. Well, for that to they've happen. already given up on it and doing a. Re- it's a yeah, it's a re- it's a, a reboot slash sequel. So yeah, but yeah, this was but to uh, int- to make it interesting, this was the original first movie that Snyder had plans for for a four movie deal before he bowed out because of family matter because of family issues. So. Yeah, this would have been awesome if it if it came out earlier, but no. Instead, we got the Joss Whedon cut. Yeah, not that Joss Whedon's the worst director, but um, yeah, some of it, yeah. Like if it's supposed to be dark, I don't know that he can really be dark. I mean, his last ep- last version of Dark was Buffy. Was that dark? Um, actually haven't seen much of Buffy's. Wait, what about what about uh, Firefly and Serenity? Weren't they dark as well? Or? Yeah, but they're still quite uh, quite funny. Mm. Like they're dark, but they're not but- heavy dark. I know I'm not making any sense. Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> they're dark, but not heavy dark. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> hmm. Oh, and um, out of context, that can be a bit spicy. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, while the trailer was dropped, the, the official synopsis has come out. So, this version is basically in the Zack Snyder's Justice League determined the to ensure Superman's ultimate sacrifice was not in vain. Bruce Wayne aligns forces with Diana Prince with plans to recruit a team of metahumans to protect the world from an, from an approaching threat of catastrophic proportions. The task proves more difficult than Bruce imagines as each of the recruits must face the demons of their own past to transcend that which has held them back. 
allowing them to come together, finally forming an unprecedented League of Heroes. Now United, Batman, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, Cyborg, and The Flash must maybe too late to save the planet from Steppenwolf, the Sad, and Darkseid and their dreadful intentions. Okay, so it'll be interesting to see whether this is actually any good. Because I know Justice League got a lot of uh, a lot of hate because it's a DC oh, yeah. superhero movie and they made the mistake. I think they made a terrible mistake just going straight for doing their whole team up movie without doing the proper introductions first. Like I get that they want yeah. to compete with um, with Marvel, but Marvel also took uh, five years or something before they did the first Avengers. Yeah. I mean, I would love to see Snyder do more movies like like this. I mean, he w- he did well with the um, Superman movie, so I heard a lot of complaints yeah. about those. Though, uh, yeah, there have been complaints, but the, the, but criticism is always like the first step to improvement, isn't it? It can be. Yeah. Oh, as I was saying with the uh, Snyder's original five movie arc movie uh, movie deal, he, these were some of the events that were going to be included for this: the murder of Lois Lane. Uh, and end of half the Justice League with Darkseid taking control of the heartbroken Superman with the anti-life equation. Okay, so killing off all your heroes, that's just Infinity War. <laughs> but I, w- I want to see this Jared Leto Joker, see how Zack Snyder puts him on, yeah, on the screen. Curious, like, it'll be interesting to see whether they can actually make um, Jared Leto a workable character. Because I, rec- I do remember when um, when Jared Leto spoke out about the Joker role, he said he Warner Brothers treat- screwed him over badly. Sure he would. Yeah. I mean, he wouldn't want to admit that he was bad. I mean, it's not even that he's... Uh, like His character doesn't necessarily have to be bad. He was also bad in real life to the co co-workers oh yeah yeah oh that <laughs> funny you mention that because uh the presents that he gave him were hilarious hilarious if you're in the right context but uh, his whole yeah. thing was doing it to be disturbing mind you though uh what was the the well, you guys heard about the presents right that Lito gave to his co- co-workers yeah absolutely so what yeah, um, I think recently ca- there was news came out that uh, this, one of the stories was actually false. Okay, it was uh, Margot Robbie when she said that she got she um she got a dead rat that was false. <laughs> it was a live rat. Cool, a that makes rat. it so much better. <laughs> oh, act- oh, actually, wait, give me a second. Um, oh, here we go. So. Um, here we go. So in a recent interview, Leto said, I never gave Margot Robbie a dead rat. That's just not true. Leto reveals that he gave Robbie 30, um, at the age of 30, some sweet treats instead of a dead rodent. I actually gave her a lot of, I found this place in Toronto that had great vegan cinnamon buns. And that was a very common thing, Leto recalled. I get the point of his character is to be disturbing, but he didn't have to go out and be disturbing to his co-workers. That's where I'm drawing yeah. the line on. So, would you? Here's a question: Would you? Would you go to go, go and get HBO Max just to watch no. this, or no? I'm not that into Superman. How about you, Debbie? How about you, Debbie boy? Nah, I I wouldn't pay money for it. Honestly, I don't really, I don't really care so much about Batman versus. Uh, I mean, it's not bad as Superman, but like, it's just a Justice League in general. The whole thing. I, I can't get any superhero movies anymore, <laughs> regardless of MCU or DC. Yeah, that's fair. Marvel or DC. So that's a little okay. I can't, even, I can't even say the correct words. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's going to be funny, though? Imagine how many people are going to sail the high seas for this. Oh, what do you mean? 
like download, yep. like uh, downloading of uh, torrents and Wouldn't whatnot. Surprise me. Oh yeah, it's all right. I wonder how many gigs would it be? <laughs> Probably not too many, since it's a streaming yeah, yeah. platform, and they're known for not um, having great bit rates. Mm. Can you imagine, like, t- I, I it's ten gigs, guys, ten gigs for this four-hour movie. That would be a terrible ratio for, uh, like, <laughs> particularly high-quality stream. Mm-hmm. Like, a even a DVD movie e- is five, and that DVDs, I think, are 480i, maybe. I don't remember. It's been too long. But um, <laughs> even DVD movies aren't uh, like four and a half gigs, and they're significantly lower quality than what from a twenty twenty streaming twenty twenty one streaming service. Yeah. Then Blu Ray came into the picture and changed yeah. the game. Not that I have a problem with Blu Ray, but it just seems unutilized. I hardly know anyone with uh, Blu. So moving on to our nerdful things. What have you been up to this week, Devi? <laughs> I've um, oh, been so busy, man. Man, he's really um, suffering. I'm yep. suffering to death. Um, nah, haven't done anything. <laughs> uh, I, I've really done nothing. I'm sorry. I'll give a five out of five to my life. <laughs> I doubt you'd give it that much. Uh, we feel you. <laughs> yep. About a zero out of five. Might jump for the fridge later. Hey, yeah, well, that got dark. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but it's not real. It's not absolutely dark. It's not too dark. <laughs> it's millennial <laughs> humor. Um, Even though no, I don't think he's a millennial. Why? Uh, uh, you know, boomers. Um, I'm Gen Z. Uh, um, you know, boomer comes up like, why are you millennials just so? What's with your humor being so dark? I don't know, mate. You've been outside is lately. Why? <laughs> <laughs> but no, I haven't. Uh, haven't really done anything this week. Fair enough. What about you, DJ? Um, oh, I was planning to make a talk, talk about Exam, but uh, I just I just realized I mi- I missed the I missed viewing it, so I I've been playing Ghost of Tsushima lately, and that's been fun. Yeah, how is that? Uh, it looks very pretty. It. Oh, it's it's pretty, and it is story wise. I'm I'm up I'm up to the second act, and there are so many side quests. Oh man, there's so many side quests. I I can't finish them all. <laughs> like you one side, like you go you go do one side quest, and you're distracted with you gotta find this magical, you gotta find this um find this item, and you're like. Okay, I fin- finished finish finding this item. Now let me do my quest. No, you get no, you go do another one. <laughs> you're like, no, oh, damn it. Find another item. And then you find another item. You're like, the store for the items. <laughs> so many items to find. They're all mythical level as well. But um, in terms of gameplay, it's good. Like, uh, you, the combat system looks re- really fluid. You don't really have to deal with um, any glitches or anything like that. Uh, you do a good considerable amount of loot drops as well. Cool. The awesome, the awesome part about the fighting system in Ghost of Tsushima is the the stances you, you get to take when you're fighting against various opponents. Like you got the water stance, the sword stance, a stone stance. I mean, and wind stance. And what's oh, the point of taking different stances? It's basically um, the point, the way they can, how they counteract each um, opponent, each type of opponent. Like uh, you need. You need like a there's one stance to to deal with giants, for example, and that and that stance is very easy easily usable compared to other stances, which are very which which can which can defeat the the brute, but it takes a lot more effort than this other stance. It's like the it's like which is a suitable gun to take down a certain monster kind of thing. Okay, and are you patting the foxes? Yes, 
<laughs> and assuredly, yes. Because they're cute and adorable. Good man. And I have been playing Frostpunk. Frostpunk is a city survival game. The world has frozen over and it's in like steampunk England. So the world's frozen over and you have a giant steam generator that you're using to keep your town warm while the temperature dramatically drops towards zero degrees. Like, not even zero, negative 100 degrees. It's brutal. I thought I was doing pretty well. Um, it doesn't hit you as hard, like, as quickly as some other city survival games I've played. But when it hits you, it hits hard. So I give it, I think, I'm going to go four out of five. The music's great. The graphics are pretty. Um, not a huge fan, of actually, of the building designs. I mean, they're nice, but when your city starts getting a bit more crowded, it gets hard to tell which building is which. Oh, yeah. I see what you mean. Um, especially if you don't have enough heat and the buildings get covered in snow. But the snow physics are really nice for being a top-down city builder game. So when you send people out to work on a resource pile or structure, they actually leave a trail in the snow behind them. So we'll have a short break and then we'll be back with our um, events of interest and shout-outs. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. So we already did a shout out at the horrible weather conditions in Texas, but on the 14th of February, 2021, it was the 30th anniversary of Lemmings. Lemmings is an incredible game. It still holds up. It's a sort of side-scrolling puzzle game. Yeah. You're given a limited number of Lemmings, a limited number of uh, job kits you can give them to make them perform different tasks, and you have an um, increasingly brutal series of levels to get through while trying to keep your life. And it was developed by DMA Design. Do you have any idea who they are, DJ? Uh, no. You might have heard of them. They're called Rockstar Games these days. Oh, yeah? Wow, so that's that's who they were? Yeah. Uh-huh. The people behind the incredibly violent and inappropriate children uh, GTA also happened to make <laughs> Lemmings. <laughs> so they were originally dark, but they got darker. Yeah, actually, Lemmings is darkly comical. I mean, who doesn't like watching your Lemmings drown in love? <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I don't I, because I, I mean, you know I'm trying to win the game here. And on the 15th of February, we had the 20th anniversary of the complete human genome. In February 2001, two and science with the first detailed look at the human genome's nearly complete sequence. This was the result of the Human Genome Project, and ever since then, the cost of sequencing DNA has gone as improved. Improved diagnosis of genetic disorders and genomic analysis in standard clinical practice. And now you can, for less than a hundred bucks, I think, get your DNA sampled. Uh, they don't synchro- sequence the entire thing, but they do sequence enough to find out what your background is, your genetic background, whether you have any of a certain standard test suite of diseases, you know, breast cancer markers, and you can find out what who your ancestors were. Even better than Ancestry.com? I think Ancestry um, might actually be partnered with one of the DNA companies. I mean, I think this is... Um, I know there's debate about privacy and consent and all that about having your DNA sequence 
used and used by the companies and all of that. But I think being able to do this quickly and cheaply is an incredible uh, benefit for humanity. Also on the 15th of February, it was the decimalization of British coinage on decimal day. (laughs) (laughs) So under the old system, there were 12 pence in a shilling and 20 shillings in a pound. Britain had been considering the change for like 150 years. Wow. At the time of the change, five pence pennies were used. Sorry, five pence pieces had the same value as a shilling. Oh, so apparently they also had some confusion because new coins, pence, as well as the old coins. So five pennies (laughs) in 1971 money was different to five pennies in old money. Can you imagine like going to a shop and you you give it the old money and you go, nah, sorry, we 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 put we accept new money now. Yeah, yeah. Whenever the country has made a major change to their um, monetary system, there's been a, a project to get everyone transitioned over. Reminds me of the euro when it when it was first introduced. Yeah, often the old money will be accepted as legal tender for time after the change. Um, sometimes it's a hard change, and then you have to take your money to the well, to a bank to have it exchanged for new money. Still, decimal currency is so much easier to count. <laughs> on to our remembrances. On the 15th of February, 1992, he was the Air Chief Marshal Hugh Caswell Tremonheer Dowding, 1st Baron Dowding, an officer in the Royal Air Force. One yeah, he name. was the Air Officer <laughs> Commanding uh, RAF Fighter Command during the Battle of Britain and is credited with playing a crucial role in Britain's defence. The defence system was known as the Dowdings. He was also um, known for being hum- for his humility and great sincerity and his pilots serving under him uh, understood him. He cared for his men and had their best. He referred to his dear fighter boys as chicks. The alternative to, the, uh, to Dowdings strategy was the big wing strategy, which was uh, promoted by other active service officers who argued that large set-piece air battles with the Luftwaffe was a better system. Dowding was advanced to Knight Grand Cross of the Order of Bath on 8th October 1940. He died at 87 in Royal Tunnel Well. And for our famous birthdays, 15th of February 1797, we have Heinrich Engelhard Steinway. Sorry, Steinweg. Anglicized as Henry Engelhard Steinway, a German-American piano maker who knows in both Germany and the U.S. He founded the company Steinway & Sons. In 1835, he made his first square piano, which he presented to his bride, Julianne, at their wedding. In 1836, he built his first grand piano in his kitchen. (laughs) And it was full of carrots and celery and, and a whole lot of protein. Yeah, so after the, um, 1840s, uh, 1848 revolutions in Germany. Steinway moved to America, where his sons he worked with his sons at other piano companies until they could establish their own company under the name Steinway and Sons. He was born in Wolfshagen im Haas, Brunswick Wolfenbüttel, Holy Roman Empire, now known as Langersheim, Lower Saxony, Germany. And on the 15th of February 1909, we have Meep Guys, possibly Guise, I'm not sure. He was one of the Dutch citizens who helped to hide Anne Frank and her family along with four other Dutch Jews. So that's Anne Frank, Otto Frank, Margot Frank, Ida Frank Hollander, Fritz Pfeiffer, Herman Van Pels, August Van Pels, and Peter Van Pels. In 1933, Gies began working for who had moved to, from Germany to the Netherlands to 
escaped Nazi persecution. Uh, she became a close friend of the Frank family and then hid them in the annex above her business. When purchasing food for them, she avoided suspicion by visiting several different in a day, never carried more than what one bag could carry or what she could hide under her coat. And to prevent the workers from getting suspicious, she tried not to enter the hiding place during office hours. Her husband also helped obtain ration cards illegally. Before the hiding place was emptied by authorities, Lise retrieved Anne Frank's diaries and saved them. She was determined to give them back to Anne, however, at the end of uh, Anne had died in Bergen-Belsen, and Gies gave the papers and notebooks to Otto Frank, the sole survivor of the group. Gies had not read the diaries before turning them over, and later remarked that if she had, she would have had to destroy them, because the papers contained the names of all five of the helpers, as well as the black market suppliers. She was born in Vienna. Aww. Wow, that could have gone so badly. <laughs> I mean, never mind the grammatical errors, but there's just so much sensitive information I don't want to take Yeah. Take it. Yeah, crazy how little things like that happen. And for our event of interest, on the 15th of February 1988, premiere of Red Dwarf, the TV series. So it, the main part of Red Dwarf is the TV sitcom that aired between 1988 and being rebooted in 2009. The series follows, my favorite way of describing it is an idiot, his dead best friend, their cat, and a, a computer with Alzheimer's. <laughs> Did you guys ever have a favorite episode in that series? There's so many great moments, but I love the original one where uh, Death comes for Rimmer and Rimmer's just like, stuff this and whacks him in the nuts. <laughs> My favorite episode, uh, this may be this may be hotly debated, would be the Backwards um, backwards Earth episode. Is that the one where um, Lister gets pregnant? No, this is the one where um, Crichton and Rimmer go to Earth and they realize that everything is backwards. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, uh, I like how they became viral sensations known as the Ford, the Ford yeah. brothers. They spend all that time trying to get back to Earth and end up doing it quite often. <laughs> My, the one thing that amazed me about that episode was how they could manage to do the whole backwards fo- Barroom brawl. Oh wait, no, no, actually, no. It's not a barroom brawl. It's a barroom tidy on Rumble. Yeah, <laughs> that level, that amount of well, like no special effects. Special effects. Just, Most of it they filmed forwards and then just reversed it in editing. Yeah, but the fight, the but the fights and the the fist fights and everything that was just awesome to look at. And I like how uh, what, what was it? Uh, they, just looking at everything backwards was just weird at the time. Yeah, it does feel very weird watching it. <laughs> Do you have a favorite episode, Debbie boy? I'll be honest, never seen it. Oh, you heathen. I know, <laughs> I know. Heresy detected, everybody. Heresy detected. <laughs> yep, yep. I know, I know, but yeah. <laughs> All right, well, on that absolutely horrifying bombshell, <laughs> we have to wrap up for tonight. <laughs> DJ, do we have any That's Not Canon shows to shout out to? Uh, one of the shows we, have, we can shout out to is this lovely show called Real Fantasy en- Encounters. It's an actual podcast where escapism means having the same dumb problems as every other day of your life, but now your fate is decided by the roll of the dice. Hmm. So uh, Real Fantasy Encounters plays campaigns and one-shot adventures from all kinds of indie tabletop systems. Join us for space opera, bounty hunting adventures in Scum and Villainy, teenage superhero drama in Masks, A New Generation, and occult murder mystery in Breakfast Cult. Whether you're going looking for a new game to introduce to your home group 
or just looking for a fun collaborative story made and told by four friends, Real Fun Fantasy Encounters, Real Fantasy Encounters can get a new AP podcast in your life. That sounds like a lot of fun, actually. And I like that they're trying different oh, yeah. uh, systems. A lot of people get sucked into D&D and think that's all there is, but there's basically an infinite number of, of tabletop systems. So where can they find us, DJ? Uh, they can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, that'snotcanada.com. We have an archive of our old episodes, and we will be we will be getting on to YouTube. Yeah, so keep an eye out for that. We'll be getting uh, that sorted very soon. So that's all we have. Uh, look after yourself. Stay hydrated. Stay very warm if you're in Texas. And we'll see you next time. Yes, indeed. Bye-bye. See you guys. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.